0: Hey, Craig!
1: Different but almost the same football game. <laughs> um, this is podcast versus everyone. It's a really good uh, way to describe
0: it, by the way.
1: Episode one thirty four, very similar to episode one thirty two and one thirty and, and one twenty eight. Uh, this is Craig Powers with me is Jeff Nusser. Uh nice. Jeff, the, uh, the the illusion of 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 competition carried us through to the fourth quarter this time the fourth quarter
0: I know <laughs> I love the way you put it the illusion of competition <laughs> it's like uh, I have a feeling that that's that's sort of a similar uh, sort of a similar vibe to my uh, my Monday after column that I wrote today uh, which you know is is sort of like talking about the defense and how uh you know 17 points uh allowed by the defense you know like seems great right but uh, also you know Utah rolled up 250 some yards of offense and and actually the way the way i put it was uh Utah had more yards and more yards per play than USC did the week before in the second in half in the second half yeah and you know so i understand why people would, would look at that and, and say, wow, you know, that's an improvement. I, I like, I get it. Um, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I understand why people do that. Like I, like I get that, um, it, you know, it is, it is truly a, you know, a results based business, right? I mean, wins and losses are results, results are what matter. And so, you know, I get it when, you know, fans or coaches or whomever are, are like, man, the defense was, the defense was great. And I'm like, you know, but, as a fan, you know, I'm interested in, you know, okay, what's the now, now that we've, you know, lost the game, you know, what's the predictive value going forward and, you know, I I mean really the the only difference between you know, the 38 points USC scored last week in the second half and the 38 points Utah scored last year in the second half and Saturday, the only difference really was in this one, you know, like Utah kept screwing up. Like they just yeah. like they they'd fumble, they I mean, look, some of the fumbles we didn't even do anything. Like they just dropped it, you know. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I get it, but you know, you and I are on, you know, yeah, Utah know fumbled the ball 7 times. 7 times. They had fumbled the ball 4 times in their first 3 games.
1: Uh the funny so. thing is, the funny thing we uh, got to point aside is just you know how uh how sports writers can kind of have these love affairs with longtime head coaches and just cannot believe when their teams are screwing up over and yeah. over again. And yeah. just just how the the, the sports writership was, like, incredulous online that, like, uh, uh, this is not a Kyle Whittingham team. I don't know if you remember <laughs> the last time WSU beat uh, Utah in Salt Lake City, Utah turned the ball over like five times.
0: That's right. Like
1: this happens. Like yes. it, it happens. They're college football players. It doesn't yes. matter how gritty that coach is, and, and how th- how strong his chin is. They're yeah. still gonna give up. They're still gonna fuck up sometimes.
0: And it is a strong chin. I mean, let's let's yeah. It's honest. a very it's, strong chin. He's a very handsome, strong chin man. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's randomness, it's luck. And I know, I, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. And, and also
1: like, Utah is offense, particularly not very good. Not good. Year.
0: Like we knew that going into the game, like we knew they were not good. And it's like, you know, if you break down the different fumbles, like there's one fumble that you can legitimately say was forced in my mind. And that, that was the Ron stone hit, right? Like, like, like any running back that gets hit like that, Stands a pretty good chance of losing the ball. So that's not, you know, that, that was not a surprising one, but the rest of them, it's like, you know, the one, um, you know, the one at the goal line, I mean, great, awesome, awesome hit by Armani Marsh. Like I take nothing away from the hit. It's awesome. It's exactly how you want to do it. Right. You come in, you put your shoulder through the ball. Like that's fantastic. Uh, however, dudes get hit like that hard, you know, at the goal line all the time and they don't often fumble right it's
1: like and then the ball bounces right to one of your guys instead of bouncing to a utah player for a touchdown right
0: and you know if the running back had held on to the ball the running back ended up in the end zone right he
1: was yeah he was so
0: like if he had just held on to the ball it's it's a touchdown so you know i again you know i I don't want to like crap on the defense like that's not that's not what i'm trying to do it probably sounds like i am but it's just sort of like you know there wasn't anything that happened in that game that made me think oh yeah like like, like yeah we're, we're about to turn a corner or this is gonna get better or i mean anything like that if anything i feel i feel fucking worse because i'm like look at everything utah handed to us and we still lost by fucking double digits like
1: yeah that's i
0: mean that's uh, rough. To, to to have utah do that and to it like and make all those mistakes and to have it like not even just not be like really close but like to not win. Like, I'm just like, uh, it's so maddening. It just like, I don't know, man. And Rolovich's anointed quarterback at the beginning of the season finally got his chance to shine and he wasn't good.
1: Yeah. And this was their, their highest kind of yards per play versus any FBS competition this year. Uh, the Utah's offense, you yeah, know, yep. it, it, it really isn't a good offense. And, you know, I know we said that when Tyler Huntley kind of shred WSU and Pullman a few years back, and they turned out to be a very good offense, but I do not see that happening with this one. No. Not, not, no. I mean, Cameron Rising, Cam, Cam Rising was still 13-23 and 23 for 137. You yeah. know, like he didn't look good. I don't see anything coming from that guy the rest of the year. Um, but, yeah, they were able to run the ball on, you know, at times. You know, Pledger had some big runs, at one, one in particular – they were just able to – like, they didn't move the ball that – like, they were able to move the ball. They just weren't able to hang on to the ball. And yeah. so it was it's it was just, yeah, frustrating because they were definitely – you know, it was nice to see Ron Stone have a nice game. Yeah. He was due, due for one.
0: Yeah, if we're looking for – you know, if we're looking for high notes, right? So uh, we are nothing if not optimistic, right? Uh, that that would be that would be sort of like exhibit exhibit A on that one because I mean that's a that's a defensive player of the week type performance he won't get it because they didn't win but because that's how uh that's how those awards roll but but he was that good
1: yeah and, and so you know there was and Armani Marsh was good yep uh I, um you know Watson was back to shutting things down. Uh, so it, 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 there's some good performances, but overall it, you're still, you come away like, even though they only give up 17 points, you look at the level of competition and you're still a bit worried about, and, and then you look at what they did in the second half again. Yep. Like they only gave it what it was like 93 yards or something in the first half. And then they come out in the second half, they get lucky to fumble right away. Very first play. Yep. You know, WSU goes and cashes it in, which was awesome. Yep. But then both the offense and the defense, I mean, other than the defense, getting some, some fumbles from that point, it was all Utah. Yep. Like well, the offense. Yeah.
0: The, the offense and the offense was bad all day. Like I, I know that, you know, again, sometimes again, I think because the game was close, right. As you put it, you know, the illusion of competition, it, it's like because the game was close, you kind of tend to think, "Oh well, maybe I don't, I don't know." Like at least my brain does this. Maybe, maybe I'm weird and alone on this. But but you know, my brain sort of tends to minimize some of the struggles because you know it's close, right? And you're you're like, when when things get bad, really, you know, like the blowout starts to happen, that's when things get magnified, right? So. You know, I remember thinking, ah, oh, the offense, you know, is, eh, you know, it's not good, but eh, maybe not terrible, you know, and now I'm kind of looking at, you know, I sat down, I kind of looked at the stats and I'm like, okay, you know, and it felt like first quarter, second quarter, um, you know, there were chances, right? Like we had the three red zone opportunities and only come away with two field goals, right? So and that's... One
1: time inside the 40, the first drive, they got inside the 40 yep. and they, they failed on fourth down with that yep. weird play and yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm looking at the yards per play in the first and second quarter, and it's 4.8 and 4.8. And so, yeah, good that we moved down into the red zone, but that right there probably should have been a little bit of a warning sign that maybe things weren't going as well as, as maybe it felt because that we actually, were able to move deep.
1: That that really reminds me of when WSU played at Utah in 2019 in the in like you know in the bad weather yep with gordon they they were moving the ball early but it was just the same thing it was like four point whatever yards per play and that ultimately you can't finish drives with yep. that sort of you know because when, when you get down close you still need to create you you creating separation becomes even more important correct uh and 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 when you can't do it and be able to block well becomes even more important when you're close because there's less space for the defense to cover so if you're just barely getting by all the way down the field it's tough to finish a drive and when you're just staring down a triple coverage on a slant that you've already thrown three times that that drive uh you know that that doesn't work out either Yep. um but it's it's uh yeah it's it's frustrating and i'm I, it sucked that borgie went out he was actually looking like he was on his way to a pretty nice day yep um he had six for 42 and what he played like a quarter and a half
0: <laughs> not even quarter and a half like a quarter and one play
1: yeah and so he was he was on his way i think to like a real nice day like 150 yard possible day that might that probably would have helped probably because <laughs> Dion they tried they kept trying because Really, the the interior line was getting whipped, and but they were having success, kind of uh, punishing Utah's aggressiveness to the middle yes. with these outside runs with Max and yep. Dion was able to do it a couple times, but not with the effect. Like there was Dion, his biggest run that twenty four yard run when he had a huge gap to run through. It with Max's speed on that run, yes, that, that might be a touchdown.
0: Yep i mean the the space there was on the edges, and you know Borgie was able to get there a couple times and like okay all right here we go and and Dion just he just doesn't have that kind of he just doesn't have that kind of speed you know not not that kind of acceleration once he turns a corner um you know not a knock he just kind of doesn't have that same kind of skill set and you know just it wasn't it just was not quite there it was not quite there
1: but we definitely since I mentioned the offensive line we definitely have to talk about the the player, because of college football's weird counting stats, led the team in rushing attempts. <laughs> Jarrett Garantano. Yeah,
0: how about that? With
1: 15 attempts, eight sacks in the game. Yeah, uh, was did Cooper got sacked on one of those? I think. Yes. So, so, so one so of the, one
0: of those goes to uh, goes to Cooper, but yeah.
1: So you say it all the time, and I 100 percent agree. Yeah. Uh, Sacks are a QB stat, they and are a we've QB watched stat. we've we've watched Russell Wilson play for the Seahawks for a decade. Yep, like sacks are a QB stat.
0: We watched Luke and Falk.
1: We watched <laughs> Luke Falk, and so, and it's it should be if 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 you're kind of skeptical about what we're saying, just think about when you watch Jaden Delora run this offense versus anyone else run this offense. Yep, J- Jaden Delora. Even when he came out against USC, sacks, sack, sacks. Sack. Didn't play this game against a team that loves getting after the quarterback. Sack, sack, sacks. It and and, and Jade Delora just doesn't get sacked that much because he's very good at avoiding pressure. Yep. And 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 it's just it's it's so such like so starkly obvious like when Garantano like he just doesn't have that ability. And our offensive line is not what it's used to be. And Mitch Haniger just hit another three-run bomb. Hell yeah! Um, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Hell In the yeah. exact same spot as the first one. All right, go Ams. <laughs> um, <laughs> get em. Sorry, I got that game on. I wasn't going to take it off. You know, we don't get these moments no. the Ams very often. No, we man. do not. That is for um, sure. But yeah, so so yeah, like it was it's just such a stark contrast when you're having this guy that's kind of pretty immobile doesn't has truly does not have good pocket presence. Like there cuz there's times he bailed out into a sack when he had more time. Yes. And so, you know, the offensive line deserves some of the heat. For sure. Yeah. But but a more savvy quarterback, you know, a Minshew uh a, a delora someone who's better at avoiding pressure they they're maybe get sacked like three times in yeah. that game
0: i don't not eight times i don't know that any of those sacks i would classify and now, again i would have to go back and watch but i don't know that i would classify any of those sacks as just like no chancers right where it's like you know so, like dudes coming through the a gap you you know you hit your third step on your drop and and dudes in your face like that's I don't know that there were that there were any of those really. Now, did he have four or five seconds to throw always and then run into a sack? No, but it's I mean, it's that in between, right? Like it's, you know, if if you got two plus seconds, you know, if you got something between two and three seconds, the ball should be out. The ball should be out. And, you know, like you said, you know, we watch Russell Wilson play every Sunday (laughs) and it's, you know, it's it's for him. We, We have just sort of learned to accept that. He's going to take a, a certain number of sacks that he absolutely should not take with as much experience as he has. Um, you know, and you mentioned Delora and his escapability and it's, you know, that's, that's a guy who obviously um, some of some, a lot of what he does is has to do with his athleticism. Um, some of it is honestly, he just has a good feel for where the pressure is coming from and how to get away he from does, it. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's you know, just a, just, that's just a skill thing, right? A talent thing that um, maybe you can't really teach. But you can teach things like I mean, you know, people who watch Tom Brady play, right? Like, how many sacks does Tom Brady take? And I, and I know we are comparing. I, I realize the greatest, yeah, the greatest quarterback right. of all and, time. And the other quarterback I'm going to talk about is Peyton Manning, right? So it's like, yeah. I mean, I I get it, but but what they do is they show you that, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting that level of, uh, you know, awareness from a from a college quarterback. That's that's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is. Um, the idea that the quarterback is really the one in control of sacks it is true. And if you think about it, he's the one with the ball in his hand. He's the one who decides when the ball comes out of his hand and where it goes.
1: It's just like, the and t- he, and he has the best view of the defense pre snap. Yep, He's, he sees where the pressure is probably going to come from.
0: He should, <laughs> he should. And so, you know, for a guy with as many starts as he's got, um, it, it was just sort of it was wild to watch um, a full game of him just sort of like struggle to diagnose uh, you know, the coverages struggle to diagnose um, you know, where the pressure was struggle to figure out how to get rid of the ball um, with some, you know, when he had time to do so. It's just, I mean, look, when he, you, you can see why the tools are tantalizing when he's clean. He made some
1: throws. yeah, Yeah. When
0: he's clean, he makes some really he's got big arm you know like he'll make every throw um, but you know it's it's as soon as it's not very clean it's a mess and uh, you know I know I know he worked hard in the offseason to prepare for the year and uh, you know like I'm not again <laughs> not trying to crap on the kid that's not that's not really what I'm, I'm going for here but um, you know I think there's something to be said that maybe uh, you know, pocket presence—that sort of thing—is just maybe it's just a, a skill that that you can't really, that maybe you can't really teach or you can't really, right. you can't really practice. Like you just kind of, like either kind of got it or you don't. And and I'd say that, you know, after forty or so games, right? Isn't that about what he's got now under his belt? Uh, yeah. You know, maybe he just, <laughs> you know, he might, he might just not ever get it. And uh, and I don't know how. I don't know how you move forward with a quarterback that that does that, that takes so many negative plays. And I think, you know, I mean, Cam and Cooper, you know, maybe we could talk about what he might bring if, you know, do they turn to him if Delore is not healthy? Um, I don't know, man. I think he's going to be prone to interceptions as well. But yep. I don't know. But maybe he takes a few, maybe he takes fewer sacks. I mean,
1: he makes fewer plays with his feet. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I like. I don't know. I just like. I can't. I'd have a hard time believing that he could be worse than what we saw on Saturday.
1: And then, and also at the the beginning of the Utah state game too. Yes. Like if you, if you yep. put the two together, it's just like, it's all the same. And then, and then, and then you put his entire career at Tennessee in there too. It's just like, this is who he is. And yeah, again, it's you're, you're stunned that this guy won the job. Like, yes. Like it's, it, yeah, it's just I can't it, it it was you you see the arm talent of course but there's not much more outside of that he made some great throws when he was clean he made one nice throw when he was getting hit um but but that but a lot he would just completely crumble under pressure and just he just wouldn't see the pressure coming and 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 yeah like I can't I can't put all of this on the offensive line because I know that a different quarterback would not have gotten sacked eight times. Yep, or seven, seven times or whatever. Yep. So it's maybe Cam Cooper still gets sacked eight times. We haven't really seen enough of him to know, but we've seen probably enough from Garantano yeah. to know. Yep. Um. So yeah, get well soon, Jaden. Yep. Yeah. Um. I
0: don't know. Maybe Rolovich thought he could fix him. I mean, every. <laughs>
1: And every coach every, every
0: coach does. So
1: he could have his Gardner Minshew. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, maybe I maybe this is my guy and you know, I, I I'm the one who finally taps into the potential. I mean, I honestly don't know. Um I, I imagine some of it might just be it's it's tough to simulate tough to simulate that in practice. Right? The the stuff that we see yeah, that's probably Because they don't
1: get they don't actually get hit yeah, in practice. They, they don't have to worry about yep. it.
0: Yep. They don't actually have to tuck it and go. They don't have to actually avoid a hit so you know i i wonder if some of it maybe is that as well i mean not that not that there was anything that happened on saturday that would be surprising because like you said uh, it's exactly what he looked like in the four drives against utah state um and it's exactly what he looked like in the one play he ran in the spring game before he hurt himself so uh i don't know I, i like i said very curious this week um i mean obviously we'd like to see delora but i also i mean crap if he's got a hurt knee I don't know. I mean, obviously I don't think the doctors would put him out there with a chance of injury, but no. I, but I also am sort of like, okay, even if they decide that, uh, that he can't, you know, further damage than he, uh, you know, how much of his effectiveness is going to be lost if he, if he can't, if he's not mobile, yeah, if he's not yeah. mobile. So I don't know, man, it's a proper mess as they might say in England. It's a proper mess,
1: proper mess. Yeah. So, Yeah. Try to think what what else is there to say well, about the oh we'll talk about the receivers yeah. i guess yeah that's um, that's where i was gonna go yeah yeah so um utah's i would say their corners there aren't aren't maybe either they're not what they have typically been or Davin Ali and dijon Stribling really stepped it up this game and i'm 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 gonna go ahead and say the the latter so yeah um that's that's what i'm gonna go with (laughs) yeah because it was really cool to see those two particularly stripling just have a real nice game stripling 93 yards on eight targets and a td real nice just roasted his dude on that touchdown yeah on a lot of different times Uh, made some really nice plays like really really roasted
0: that guy i mean let's like let's be real like that was that's that safety came over and he uh Left him on the turf, man. That was
1: awesome. That just tends to happen against Utah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I I'll say, Ollie, like it was. He made some nice catches. His his target yards per target not very nice, five yards per target. But he still was at least targeted, like because yeah. he he just hasn't been open. Yep. Like most of the year, so like at least he was getting open. He was making some nice catches. So that was good to see. Um, really uh, i i think that uh utah was most concerned about harris and jackson cuz and rightfully uh, so rightfully so cuz they were a little like jackson was kind of a non-factor except for you know that ultimately deciding play and i guess we we haven't talked about that but let's talk about stribling and yeah Ollie a little more yeah. but stribling, stribling really he made some big catches in in, in in some big situations too like it was nice to see because you know, sometimes you forget already that he's just a freshman yep and and you know we, we shouldn't you know like just because he's had a few rough games in the first three not a lot of guys start an outside receiver their first three games no. of their career nope. and uh so you know that this was definitely a positive step for him
0: the thing with him that um I think I like more than anything else is that he just looks like he belongs out there. Um, yeah. pretty typically true freshmen just generally sort of look like, eh, you know, eh, I mean, they're out there, but do they really fit? You know, they, they either look, uh, you know, gangly or just not quite all the way developed or, or whatever it's going to be. I mean, you know, your fully, fully developed guys are typically your, four star guys who end up at other schools, right? Like that's part right. of why they're four star guys. Like, uh, you know, they are, they're you know physically mature when they graduate from high school, they are expected to be able to, you know, contribute right away. So, um, you know, it's, it's rare for us to get a true freshman who who actually looks like he belongs and stripling definitely looks like that. Now, part of it is he's actually a little bit older. Um, you know, I was going back and trying to remember what his story was. And I went back and looked, he actually was a class of 2020 kid, um and he was being you know recruited pretty okay he was kind of a low three-star guy in Hawaii and then he just didn't sign anywhere in 2020 um you know i don't know why uh i can't find anything on why uh, maybe something's out there that i can't find so if 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 you know somebody's listening to this and they know uh you know please feel free to to leave it in the comments or whatever or or send us an email but Um, but as near as I can tell, nobody has ever really reported out what, what happened. And then 2021, he signs with us, um, on the early signing day in 2021. Well, I mean, technically December, 2020, but you know what I mean? Um, so he is, he is a little bit older and that probably helps. Um, he honestly reminds me a little bit of Marquise Wilson. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's just kind of a body build. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be that good. I mean, Marquise, we're talking about, you know, one of the best receivers in program history maybe even the best you know for my money considering all the context around him um yeah but you know that that's that's about the highest compliment i can pay him he just you know he just he's got similar body type uh he's like you know six two or or something like that and um i think marquise was about six three and um he's just got you know what looks like really excellent body control he just looks like he is um you know he hasn't he hasn't totally produced yet until. Um, until Saturday. I don't know how much of that since you can't see the whole field on most plays. I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is, you know, maybe having Delora, who's not the most accurate, um, thrower to the outside, um, on long throws. So maybe some of it's that, but at any rate, um, yeah, really impressive, really excited for what he might be able to do, um, going forward. It, you know, it looks like they, uh, you know, he was an under-recruited guy, man, low three-star kid. In Hawaii, um, which you know a lot of times happens out there on the islands, and uh, you mm-hmm. know they may have gotten a real—I uh, mean, he was a guy who was not committed to WSU until he signed, so um, you know maybe maybe they've they've found a real gem there.
1: Yeah, and um, so I had mentioned it earlier, but I, I, I wanted to point out this play just because it's kind of very evident of what can go wrong when the player when the quarterback and receiver are not on the same page in the run and shoot offense. And I think we've mentioned before, I don't know if we have like I know I've explained on other podcasts, but on this podcast, um, a very big difference between the air raid and the run and shoot is that the, a lot of the receivers in the, in the run and shoot are running option routes um, where they'll, the quarterback and the receiver are supposed to be on the same page and reading the defense and deciding if, you know, what Jackson, what you can only assume happened on the pick six play in the fourth quarter, which essentially ended the game, was uh, Garantano read the defense as Jackson should be running an out route. Um, It was a third and long, and and I'm guessing he was just thinking, oh, he's just going to cut out, get the first down, we'll move on. Uh, Jackson who I'll say probably correctly read it as there was outside leverage. And so he cut outside and then, or faked outside, cut inside, ran up the field. Um, it looked like Jackson probably would have been by the coverage. because uh, you, uh, Utah was coming with like a six man blitz, I think on that play. Yep. Um, so th- there probably wasn't, Yeah, there was no
0: safety help. <laughs> uh,
1: so I, I I'm gonna you know I'm gonna side with Jackson on that selection and there's a very real chance of Garantano was on the same page. He hits Jackson for a long touchdown to take the lead and with you know yep. what five you know a few minutes left yep. in the five five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter whatever it was. So that was a that was a very um, it was it was very good at demonstrating what happens in the run and shoot when the quarterback and receiver are not on the same page because obviously Jackson was running up the field and then the the cornerback just saw the ball coming right at him and you know, no one there to even contest him runs back for a touchdown. But
0: Rolovich said in his post game that he thought that Garantano should have thrown it backside, which so would have been to the receiver on the left instead of the receiver on the right. I, so I, (laughs) I have not rewatched the play to see what was happening on the backside. So I don't know. Um, but, Apparently, e- either way. So our 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 assumption is that Garantano made the wrong read. Uh, it's, it seems like Rolovich agrees, if maybe not for the same reason, <laughs> but he at least agrees that uh, that the quarterback maybe didn't didn't make the proper read on that. So uh, yeah, you know, just another frustration uh, when you know a big play is there to be made and and you don't make it, and then uh, you know you give up a pick six to make the margin double digits to. Make you make you feel like another swift kick in the nuts after uh, basically right after giving up the lead. Um, Yeah, I don't know if there's much else to say about, you know, just it's you know, it's frustrating, man. It's got to be really frustrating for the players, uh, you know, to, to to work so hard and, you know, have have so many mistakes just sort of undermine your chance of winning.
1: Hello. Yeah. Sorry. My headphones cut out real quick there, but um, <laughs>
0: I'm going to have to edit that out now, or
1: maybe I won't, maybe I'll just leave. Yeah. It. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say one thing we have to mention is they were, uh, definitely on a, um, you know, the, on a, a tough mindset coaching staff and players, um, after Brandon gray was, uh, yeah. uh, taken taking the hospital, yeah. um, with s- serious injuries after b- being involved in a, or, uh, you know, being a, a to hit shot yeah. by a uh, someone, um, and, and you know where someone also died. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's uh, yeah. If you're getting taken to Sacred Heart, it's serious. Yep. Um. Uh, so that's uh, that must have been tough for everyone um, to 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 deal with during the game. No doubt. Uh. So you know sometimes if you see a, a player make a mistake, you, you get some context like that after the game and uh, you know what they were probably thinking about their, yeah. their teammate in the hospital, you know? Yep. Um, and obviously, you know, in Pullman, it's very weird. We've uh, you know, I've talked about it with some friends, like in Pullman, it feels like you're in a bit of a bubble and, and you don't uh, have to deal with some of the, some of the dangers of, of, you know the rest of the world right and so but you know they that was the first shooting death in Pullman since uh, I was in school 16 years ago um so you know I got a friend who has kids there has a kid there that you know that was pretty and who lives on Greek Row right near where it happened and you know that's every parent I'm sure thinking the same thing because you think you're like Send your kids to a safe place, and uh, it's pretty shocking for a, a small community like that, which is t- typically doesn't have to deal with violent crime as much. Um, to have a an event like that is is even just as someone doesn't live there. You think about you know uh, I'll, I'll say when I was in Pullman um, last weekend, uh, my friend and I were at a bar downtown, and uh, a man pulled a knife. Um, on a bouncer and uh my friend like helped step in to wrangle him down and stuff when the, after the knife had already been gone but the bouncer got like cut and stuff and you know and then the next day we were at another bar and we couldn't leave because someone had a gun outside Jeez. and so so when i heard about this on the back of that I'm, it was just kind of like Man, like you go to Pullman and you just feel like you're 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 safe and like there's this is literally like this little bubble uh, like this little utopia where you don't have to worry about these things, but uh, that was a bit of reality, I think for a lot of people and obviously a tragedy yeah. um particularly for um the young man's family yeah, yeah. and Brandon Gray's family and stuff yep. so it's it's just uh it's 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 a tough thing for you know all of us who have a special connection to Pullman to deal with, but also to think about what the football team had to go through what um, this young man's family who lost his life had to go through uh, when you're at school and and uh you know he was he's you know they're gone it's it's rough
0: yeah it absolutely sucks i i know that uh you know i i picked wazoo you know kind of precisely for the reason you mentioned like it did it did feel safe like i couldn't believe you know after spending you know many many a night many an evening walking around the u district for you know, various activities um, and then going to Pullman and being like, wait, you know, like, like I, I couldn't believe how safe I felt. Right. Just walking around at night. Um, yeah. Big time bummer. Uh, you know, I'm glad Gray is a, is apparently going to be okay. I mean, obviously, you know, serious, but stable condition is uh, certainly not out of the woods. So, you know, continue to um, think about him and hope for his full recovery Um, you know, the other young man who died, like you said, you know, feel terrible for for him and his family. And um, we still don't know a ton about what happened. Uh, We do, at least it's been, it's been reported that uh, the man who was arrested in connection with the shooting uh, has said that he acted in self-defense, something that would seem to be supported by the fact that he was um, charged with, um, he was charged with second degree assault and not you know, murder or manslaughter or something. Obviously that could all change, but um, you know, th- that would seem to support that idea. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to talk too much about other rumors I've heard, but there are other rumors I've heard that have supported the idea of of self defense. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a sad it's just a sad deal all around, man. It's you know, parties can Parties can go sideways, you know, and typically, uh, you know, we laugh and we joke about them and, you know, maybe it's, you know, Andy Roof with a frying pan or so, I mean, just whatever, like, you know, the kind of stuff that, you know, we laugh about, um, you know, people getting mad or drunk or belligerent or whatever. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is just a, uh, you know, a spate of, of unfortunate things that are unrelated. Um, the things, you know, that you're relaying plus, plus this shooting, um, hopefully it turns out to be just, you know, kind of a random sequence of events and not. Uh, not maybe a more serious change in in the nature of things in Pullman
1: yeah I, you know i i i wouldn't assume uh that it, it's it's some sort of uh serious change you know i i think i probably was just expressing you know like my own personal experience yeah. of wow like these three things happening in a yeah. row um that you know i didn't i didn't think it was kind of you know i didn't think too much of the the two events last week and we did once the, you know we went to the bar two nights in a row and there was this like weird shit happening but uh um but but then you you uh yeah, you know when people are people are not in their right mind and uh um or maybe they were and, and just uh you know things went south but um yeah uh so yeah, just think about that you you, you think about the players having to learning about that late, you know a roll of it said a player told him um like late that night you know two, two o'clock in the morning or whatever and so I, i'm sure rolovich you know, the staff had really slept that 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 night and now the players probably slept that night yeah um so well and uh, they're in you know they're so in that's, salt that's lake city
0: rough. and their their teammates back in pullman being airlifted to spokane i mean that's pretty that's a pretty helpless feeling and that's not a lot of fun yep
1: all right, um, so uh, I guess now's as good a time as any to uh, take a break, and we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, an amazing volleyball weekend and uh, the soccer team um, and uh, all that. So we'll see you on the flip side. Back. All right, Jeff. So, um, you know, once again, I had a, at a weekend that was, you know, I didn't venture out to the east side of the state, so I didn't get to pretty fair beer in Ellensburg. But um, it looks like, you know, from from looking at their draft list, from talking to Tyler, the owner, they're really getting into, you know, those classic. Especially in the Northwest, those classic uh, uh, September and October beers, Oktoberfest, and fresh oh. hop beers. So, Fresh uh, hop season. Tyler tells us they got, coming this week, they got Headless Mumbi Oktoberfest. So Headless Mumby is a brewery in Olympia that is a lager-only brewery. Ooh um so um i've had the oktoberfest before it's very good a lot you know if you like lager styles definitely wa- uh, want to check out um uh, a cool place um down in olympia actually opened up after i moved out of olympia but i could have walked to it when i <laughs> if it was there when i lived there which you know you're always like oh why weren't you there when yeah. i was there um but yeah and then you know they're able you're able to pair if you want to get the the oktoberfest experience in Ellensburg, uh, you can pair that with some soft pretzels. they always have soft pretzels. They got big soft pretzels there, um you know, with your cheese and your mustard, oh. um, all that good stuff down there and uh, and then you know they got you know if, if, now now if you're if you like to partake in the fresh hops this time of year, yes, which I always recommend, because oh. especially in this region of the world where we just get the most fresh hop beers possible because you can like, you know, you can drive and then a couple hours later go put that beer into put those hops into your beer, um, right after they've been picked. Yep. So, uh, that's a beautiful thing about where we live. Every brewery does fresh hop beers, so they're, they're getting a skookum fresh dank strata, uh, this week. Um, strata is one of the um, kind of it's like this, the probably the second wave of uh, fresh hop beers, uh, so that should be good. I'm sure they'll be getting more. Um, uh, you know, they got. They got some Stoop on tap right now, uh, structures, uh, Logan Brewery, not a beer-in. Um, You know they they always got matchless, Dwinell Country Ales. Uh, so a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, as we've always talked about, really cool thing about Pretty Fair Beer is they don't they don't carry any breweries that distribute to Ellensburg. They go and get that beer. Um, so you're getting different beer. They also got wine um uh, they carry typically carry about a dozen wines from just boutique wineries so it's like the the you know the craft beer version of wine that's uh, so a little little wineries and they got charcuterie plates and a cool thing you know i know you and i would be excited about this they're they're getting close uh soon hopefully to have all ages you know they just got to get yes. that 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 go ahead um they're currently 21 over but they're working on being able to be all ages and I know you and I, as dads, will definitely appreciate 100%. that A pretty fair beer. <laughs> pretty again, we're talking about pretty fair beer in Ellensburg, downtown yeah. Ellensburg. Um, really cool place to stop. I've done it multiple times. Um, I definitely got to get you out there, yep. Jeff, because um, of course, owned by owned run proudly proudly supporting the Cougs. You can watch the Cougs there. If you live in uh, Central WA, just, you know, drive on over to Pretty Fair Beer. Um, yeah, so highly recommend it. I've been there before. I like their food. I like their beer. I love what they're doing and their coups. Yeah. Check them out. Those are
0: all good reasons to check them out for sure. God, I got to, I gotta like, I got to get some fresh hot beers, man. I had my, I had, I've only had one, well, two. I had two. I had one of yours at the tailgate, and then I had one that I bought it. Rainer well, Growlers a couple well, weeks ago. Well, so. you
1: know, you know, it's funny. I've the last two tailgates, I brought a ton of fresh hot beers, but I ended up giving them to a lot of people. So I didn't, <laughs> you didn't I actually haven't drank have that any. many either. <laughs> yeah. I've only had a few so far and yeah. And you know, I've, I've been dealing with this thing that everyone yeah. can hear. Like I, I haven't had, you know, haven't had that many beers at home. I, I enjoyed uh Swansea day at E9 for sure uh yesterday but and i I had a couple fresh hot beers at uh beer star the other day but uh, but yeah what are you drinking what's your what's your pretty fair beer of the night my pretty
0: fair beer beer of the night is uh this is the last sun american style ipa from ruse brewing in portland yes uh i don't like it (laughs) i don't like it at all um so I,
1: let me make sure that's make sure they don't care I that don't. I'm pretty favorite. No, no, they don't have it. No, they don't carry that. Okay, fair so here. here's
0: what I don't like about it, and I had a hard time, kind of, you know, my palate is not as refined as yours or many others. So, like, oftentimes it kind of comes down to do I find this pleasing or do I not find it pleasing, and I I often struggle to sort of describe what it is that I find pleasing about it, right? Um, and so for this one, I was just like, man, I just. I don't know, man. There's just something there. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of. Like, it just kind of. I'm not sure what that taste is that that I'm kind of getting. So let me read the description to you, and then I'll tell you. I was like, oh, that's what it is, right? Okay. So it says this hazy IPA is intermingled with oats, wheat, and spelt for a catastrophically creamy mouthfeel, which is true. You do it does have a creamy mouthfeel, uh, a kiss of mosaic, and countless bags of Nelson Sauvin. Bring intense aromas of tropical fruit, also true, and serene flavors of zippy white wine. It is the white wine. That is what I am tasting. Like it tastes like a Chardonnay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was like, that's what it is. I don't like that. So yeah. I I would, you know, if you if you you know, if you like that idea of just kind of mixing those flavors together, then give it a try. Uh it was not pleasing to me. I'm drinking it anyway.
1: Well, yeah, Yeah. you probably should um, steer clear of heavily Nelson Sauvin hopped beers then in the future. That's good
0: advice. Thank you. Because
1: I think that's a typical, that's part of why it's appealing. uh, Is is kind of that white wine? Because you definitely not get that from Mosaic. Mosaic is more of a, um, uh, I would say, more of a dank kind of you know, I've had lots uh, and
0: lots of beers with that with mosaic and I, yeah. I do not I do not recall this particular flavor uh, with it I don't know it's just kind of like it's, it's hard to describe like I like okay like white wines are not bitter right if anything they're a little sweet and so you're you're kind of taking that that sort of that sweet flavor profile and then adding some bitterness to it and it just I don't know man just not working for me not working for me
1: I understand it. All right. Um, so my pretty fair beer beer of the night is uh, it is from a brewery called Trace Brewery out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, it is called Local Traces. It's a double dry hopped pale lager. Ooh. Um, pale lager dry hopped with Hallertau mittelfruit, Groomgeist citra and azaka so we're combining german hops and yakima hops there um it is uh it's a beer an official so there's a, a, a festival in pittsburgh called the barrel and flow festival um it's a uh black run uh festival um and this so they get a lot of uh black run businesses involved and uh trace is a black run brewery um which is, uh, you know, um, becoming more and more prevalent. It, it, you know, the, the brewing industry has typically been a white male endeavor um, in, in the U.S. And so, uh, but yeah, so this is very good. Um, yeah, it's a nice light lager with some great hop aromas. It's dry hop, so it's not like bitter. It's just, you know, if you're dry hopping, you're... It's just specifically aroma and maybe a bit of flavor and mouthfeel from it, but you're not, dry hopping is not going to add to any of the bitterness. So it's kind of a nice addition to uh, dry hop a lager. So you, you still have that crispness of the lager, but you have these like nice aromas. I, I, I always like, when I see a dry hopped lager, I almost always reach for it because I'm like, oh, I just love that, that amalgamation of styles, you know, um, taking a a a traditional style and and putting like an a a modern spin on it with the double dry hopping so yeah very cool Uh, good job trace brewing well if i see you i have a a few more i was gonna i was gonna um i was gonna drop drop some off for my uh my, my my favorite uh shop here in town etc i'm sure those guys will appreciate it and um yeah, and then I was uh, my second beer is a f- fresh hop beer, uh, Cone and Cone Fresh Hop IPA from Holy Mountain, oh. which I picked up yesterday when I picked up my my order of Midnight yes. Still, um, which which they released at like eleven thirty p.m. Not, not quite midnight, midnight on Inst- close though announced it on announced it on Instagram. That's why I have the notifications for Holy Mountain turned on on Instagram. <laughs> so I ordered that on. Ordered that on Wednesday night, and then I had till Sunday to pick it up. So I had this nice casual, went up on Sunday, had a beer, nice. you know, picked up some beer. Uh, and typically, uh, you have to wait, like before the pandemic, you'd wait in line for this beer. And I have many times, you know, every year. Uh, that was like my first waiting in line at Holy Mountain was like 2016, then 2017, 2018. A lot, a lot of their variants releases. So I've done a lot of waiting in line at Holy Mountain, made a lot of friends. But honestly, now that I have two kids... <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate nice. the online yeah, it's sale. It's nice to not have to do that. Um, it's sold out in 30 minutes online. I was able to get some, um, so, you know, send a message to some friends like, hey, it's on sale. Go, 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 you know, <laughs> like go now. It's going to be gone. Their website failed. I got in before that. All, all good. Um, so, yeah, able to pick that up, picked up some um, some uh, other beers at Holy Mountain, including that Cone and Cone. Excited to crack that in a second. Here, I, I sipped on the local traces, the trace beer, so that I could be drinking it while we did this. But I'm going to crack open the nice. open the cone and cone. But yeah, let's um, let's talk let's let's talk about some good vibes from this good weekend. Good vibes. Um, the WSU volleyball team, who is on an absolute tear, yeah. started the weekend off by sweeping number twenty four Colorado. Sweeping them away. No chance. Um, what can you say about that one? But obviously, the big one this weekend was Sunday. They hosted number six UW, and that lived up to any peeling you could possibly give a rivalry match. Like, you just could not, could not be more of an intense. <laughs> match with a literally historical fourth set you're
0: as effusive as your being, you're being your own you're kind of underselling it i think like like that fourth set like you put in now i i was not watching it did not follow it i was i don't know what else i was doing watching watching the sounders or the seahawks seahawks. The seahawks oh yeah it was it new so yeah so i was watching the seahawks yeah. and doing some work and so uh and you you dropped into slack to to give the score of the fourth set as they were heading into the fifth set and I was like, wow, Craig made a big typo (laughs) like how did Craig make that big of a typo? That's a big typo.
1: Yeah. So the fourth set, uh, it ties the uh, NCAA record in the 25 point set era, uh, a 90 point set uh, UW dub one, 46 to 44 to send it to a fifth set. Yeah. 46 <laughs> to 44 in case you don't know the sets go to 25. Right. So the, the max, so the maximum amount of points you can have in a set without it going into extra points is 25 to 23. Cause you have right. to win by two 48 points. This went 90, this went 42 extra points. This literally, so the previous set. WSU won 25, 16 that went 41 total points to solve the set. This went 42 points beyond the most you could do without going extra. So like, so 49 more points than the previous yep. set was. So the second set, UW won 25, 23. They won in 48 points and that's a that's a tough contested set. And then 46 to 44 Absolutely insane. WSU was you know, they had some chances to win. They had some service errors at that at some point. Yeah, I but guess they had a bunch
0: of service errors. It was it was like Yeah, they had seven a bunch of eight. service
1: errors, particularly in that particularly in that yeah. set. They had a string of them. And but you gotta say you I was thinking, God, they lose a set like that. This this has like set five meltdown all over it. And U Dub came out and won the first three points of yeah. the fifth set. And so you're like, ah, oh, god, that just attacked that him. Yeah. And, and, they and came you back probably, you probably and, heard
0: since Heister was on the call, you probably heard the word momentum, thirty-eight times, at least.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it it was, but they came back and they they dominated the rest of that set, won fifteen and eleven, to take the the overall match, uh, five set, you know, three sets of two. Um, obviously you don't know that the fifth set is kind of like an overtime set basically it's uh it it only goes to 15 um so yeah it was uh um it it was incredible to watch um i truly only caught like i caught the the midway through the fourth set on and and i had i had been watching it earlier like when i was at holy mountain and i drove home from holy mountain and then i picked it back up so i missed like an hour um but so some of the, the records, like I said, that was that ties the NCAA record for most points in a set in the twenty five point era. And then it also WSU tied the record for most points scored in a mat most points in a match in the twenty five point era. So it this was a historical event. And it's always nice because WSU has been on the side of some historical games and <laughs> not one them in some good. other sports, yeah. but it's really nice when you can be part of the historical event and also win. So that's yeah. great.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, and that's completely wild. Like to, maybe that, you know, I've always said, why don't they go to 25 points in the fifth set? Like it feels like cheating. Right. Um, yeah, but maybe this is why, <laughs> I don't know, but,
1: because you could end up with could a, end up with know,
0: a yeah. ninety point fourth set. Um, I don't know. And can we finally retire the idea of momentum? Like, can we can we do away with that now? Because
1: uh, yeah, you'd think you'd have I mean, all. The you momentum. would think,
0: right? They won this epic set. They get out to a lead, and then you know, it's like like we always say. You know, you have momentum until you don't, and uh, you know, so referring to momentum just sounds just makes you sound silly, people. Just makes you sound silly. So this is an awesome win, awesome awesome win. It's so good to see them. Um, you know they started the year real rough. They lost their first four matches. Um, I have honestly the only uh, the only game or the only match that I've watched was that first one against South Carolina, where uh, you know they they lost uh, two sets to three, um, and it, you know basically they they sort of like gave it away. Um, yeah, you know, they, they yep. really should have won, and they they just kind of a lot of self inflicted wounds. Um and so, you know, I watched that one and I just haven't really, you know, had the time mostly to uh uh to watch them and so it's it's very very cool to see them um you know, coming back strong, you know, against they, they lost to a top 10 Pittsburgh, top 10 Purdue um both on the road or at least well, one of them both both of them away from home, I guess I'll put it that way because they were both technically neutral site games, but um to come yeah. back then and and basically uh, you know turn things they come back home turn things around Uh, you know they beat long beach state three zip they beat northern iowa three zip they beat gonzaga three zip they beat uc santa barbara three zip they beat vcu three zip they beat uc santa barbara three one and then colorado three zip so over the course of after their own four start after the course of their next uh seven games they dropped one, one set. set one set <laughs> you know and then, uh, and then beating Washington, which is obviously huge for, for so many reasons. So totally awesome. Uh, got USC and UCLA coming in, uh, uh, this weekend. So,
1: so if you're, if you, you know, um, just some names, Pia Timmer, absolute superstar, uh, very versatile player. She was on fire against UW. Um, and then, uh. Uh, Magda Ger- Gerlerova, an excellent uh, d- defender um, she had 10 blocks um, i think she was involved in the winning block as well um, and then uh, uh, Hannah uh Pukis is you know the setter uh, 53 assists <laughs> that's that's got to be some like insane yeah. number right like 53 yeah. assists that like seems that's like crazy a lot. um uh, so yeah, like, uh, Pia Timmer had 31 kills, uh, which is just nuts, like a nuts amount of kills, plenty of chance, but she hit 30%. And from what I've been told, you can kind of look at that hit percentage and think of it as a baseball percentage too. So 30% is pretty good, especially on all those attempts. Yeah, so especially yeah, against um, a team like yeah, Washington. Yeah. Who has a very good defense. Yeah. So it's, um, huge they didn't crack the top 25 though unfortunately <laughs> yeah apparently um, they
0: vote on top 25 there like they do everywhere else which is you know well maybe not how good you actually are but you know wow you did lose those first four games doesn't matter that you've yeah. steamrolled everybody since and just beat you know the number 6 team in the country but whatever whatever
1: yeah pre- previous year's semifinalist uh yeah, yeah. um but yeah, so I don't know. They look like they are now on track to getting back to the tournament again. Like they, they are they're they're looking very good yep. after after stumbling at first. Um, I mean, they took to, to have that weekend where you're facing two ranked teams and and beat them both. Yep. Um, and and particularly beat your rival who they've now be beaten four times in a Woo! row. And all always always good to get those Apple Cup series points yes. early. Get that. This is the very yes. first one. Get, get those points on the Absolutely. board. Uh, excellent. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, let's talk about, you know, our, our other uh, elite program at uh, WSU, <laughs> okay. Soccer, yes. who uh, also faced Colorado this weekend and uh, uh, took care of business actually, against they them. They faced Arizona. Arizona, I'm right. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they were weekend.
0: in Colorado last weekend. Yeah. Um, they also have not allowed – very many goals. Uh, they have not allowed a goal in four games now, outscoring Kansas, Denver, yeah. Northern Colorado, and Arizona by a total of 10 to nothing. This offense is insane, dude. They are just like, they are ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I. Well, that's it's part of it, too, is when you watch a match, it's like, there's going to be a game when they just, well, I saw the game when they just let loose and scored yeah, against a bunch Hawaii. of goals. But, but, but. There's going to be more when that happens, because part of the reason their defense is so good is because their offense just has the yes, ball. Yes, that the definitely time. helps. That. And it, they're just they just don't give the other team chances, yeah. and yeah, it's uh, you know they the, they did have Makia Minnis back for ninety minutes again, Ooh. so yeah. that helps. Um, Elise Bennett got on the board again, and then of course Enzy Broussard, who is playing really well um and so that's it's just nice to have nice to have you know because that that's been their issue in the in the two matches that they didn't win a, a tie and a loss the problem was they had the chances they just yeah. didn't finish them and so now they're they're being more efficient about finishing their chances um but um nz is a transfer from um west virginia Uh, you might already know that, but I know, you know that Jeff, (laughs) but that, yeah. Um, but so, you know, it's another big thing that Schulenberger has done is he's utilized transfers from other high major schools really well. And so he's been able to keep that WSU at a high level just by, you know, infusing talent from, from other programs to go along with recruiting really well. Um, freshmen as well.
0: Yep he, uh, I mean, he's the gold standard, right. At our school, you know I yeah. mean? And for as much success as volleyball has had, uh, you know, they don't, they don't have a final four under their belt and Todd Schulenberger has got one of those. And, um, you know, to be, to be pulling in these players from, I mean, it was one thing to get, you know, like say Avery Collins, right. Who was, um, you know, played at Stanford and obviously Stanford's, you know, typically a, a pretty powerhouse program. Um, you know, but she was, she was kind of, you know, squeezed for minutes a little bit. And, you know, so that one, you know, that one kind of made some sense, right? Like this is, you know, okay. So you bring in this kid who's obviously very talented, but, um, maybe gonna, you know, getting, getting squeezed for minutes, wants to, wants maybe show off a little bit more at a program where she'll have a little bit more of an opportunity and that's fine. But, you know, we've reached a level now where, you know, people are seeing this as a real opportunity. And when you think about the fact that, man, um, this team should have a sophomore Trinity Rodman right now. And how, um, just insane their embarrassment of riches is uh, in terms of attackers. Uh, You know, you mentioned you mentioned Broussard. um, You know, of course, you still have got uh, Elise Bennett. um, You know, uh, Frimpong Ellingson. You know, is another uh, you know strong attacker. I know I'm forgetting.
1: Um, She scored last. I know I'm forgetting someone else up
0: there. Um, Grayson Allen? No, Grayson. Grayson Lynch. Great, Grayson Allen. Grayson. Lynch. Sorry. <laughs> She's not out there. She's not yeah, out there. Grayson Lynch.
1: Grayson Lynch has uh, been scoring goals in bunches as well. Yep. And uh, yeah, just they uh, just they can get you anywhere. Uh,
0: it's it, this isn't the team. Yeah. So for people who remember the team a couple of years ago with, you know, with uh, with Weaver uh, up there, I mean, it was it wasn't necessarily a one person show, but it was pretty close. I mean, she was. On the, on the attacking side, side right? Realize, like, yeah. you know, you had, uh, you know, um, I'm trying, forget it. Now I'm forgetting the midfielder's name, too. It's late at night. It's late at night. Um, she's in the NWSL now. But anyway, like like that was yes, – oh, yes, yes, yes. Gamera Stevens. Makamaya. Gamera Stevens. Um, and that was kind of – sh-
1: Who scored – oh, by the way, who scored uh, oh, last awesome. week for Houston, uh, I think, Ooh, two goals. That's fantastic.
0: Right? Um, the real strength of that team was sort of the, the the defensive midfield right like they they just they were really really tough to play through and then they would launch you know weaver on morgan weaver on these counterattacks, right this team's not that like you mentioned um they're very they're possession oriented and they will sort of find a find an angle and pick you apart and, and, and they come at you from from every angle so uh, they are fun 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 to watch man if you're if you are at all into soccer i know we kind of keep saying this but Man, if you like, if you don't hate soccer, if you're like, yeah, soccer's okay. um, Man, this is a fun team to watch. When you can find them on TV, um, you know, maybe give it a shot. So they play against Utah on Thursday um, from Salt Lake City. It's apparently on Pac-12 networks, starting at six o'clock Pacific. So, um, so that's a game that you know that we all can watch and uh, and get excited about.
1: Yeah, because if you don't have Pac-12 networks, you're not watching no, the football no, team this year. You're not
0: doing that either. So, yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great, man. Yeah, like our our two our two pre- premier sports on a yes. roll, um, looking like they can, uh, it, they, looking like they can get back um, to the place where they belong, which is the NCAA tournament for both of them. Um, yeah, so that's that's always fun. We love talking yes, about them, do. especially when yes, they're winning. Great man. Um, so I'm kind of worried because they're, they're we're only an hour well, and five. We in do forever, have a couple think...
0: of questions that got emailed in. Oh yeah, so we could do those really those.
1: quick. Let's do right. those. Uh, I think I got them here. Hold on. Uh, so I got. Um, do you got the Dave Malone one, or sorry, Dave? Sorry. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Dave M. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Dave says, I had high hopes for coach Rolovich and I hate that I'm writing this email. This was before the Utah game, by the way. But I think you guys are correct. The WSU is getting out coached, particularly in the second half. I think Abe Lucas is correct in saying that Wazoo has a quote good initial punch, but not really a chin. These two issues combined to create the current death spiral. If Rolo does not get himself fired on October 18th, when do you predict Pat Chum will fire Rolo? Also, will Chun also fire any other coaches? And if WSU beats Utah and maybe picks up a few more Ws, will Chun have a hands-off approach to Rolo? Um, so obviously, we know that did not, um, you know, that did not play out against Utah. WSU did know. not beat Utah, um, but I don't know. What do you think? What's uh, what's the over under um, there?
1: So if if Rolo is not fired for vaccination reasons. Um I have a hard time believing they will fire him after this season for football okay. reasons. So I think it would maybe be next season or after next season. Um I think even if he goes uh, you know, like two and ten this year, they'll they might keep him on just because It it probably depends on who's available, Um, or if if you know Chun has someone in mind. But I just I I have a hard time just at WSU seeing them let a coach go after so few games.
0: You know, I I can't. I I mean, there's a part of me that's like, you know, okay, you, uh, you know, the 18th comes and goes, right? He has you know, got his exemption or whatever. Um, and so at that point, so like, you know, does, do you benefit from getting rid of him right away? I, I don't know that you do, right? Like, I mean, you're not, you're not hiring another coach right away. Probably. Um, you know, unless you're, unless you're doing, you know, the bill moose thing and targeting somebody who's not employed, that's, that's kind of a different deal. So, okay. And then, okay, so there's really not any benefit to getting rid of him in the middle of the year. Like, like it doesn't help you, right? Um, I could see why you would do it, especially if he's not vaccinated, he's not compliant, you know, you separate, whatever. But I don't think, like, you gain any kind of benefit or boost from doing it, right? Even with recruiting or whatever. Um, and in fact, I think actually you might, you might actually cause more of a problem with recruiting if you, um, you know, get rid of him during the year. Because whoever actually is committed to you right now, uh, you know, is all of a sudden you're going to have, you know, however many, I mean, let's say it takes you a month or whatever to find a new coach, uh, you know, in that time, it's going to be open season on your guys. Right. Um, as long as you keep Rolovich around and the plausibility that he'll be around next year, then those guys probably stay. Okay. At the end of the year then, okay. So if it's at the end of the year, uh, you know, I, I just wonder here, here's the thing. I look, we have the money to fire him. Um I know people will say, We don't. We don't have the money to fire him. We're in
1: It's not the buyout that yeah, even like Oh, we're still
0: we're anything, in we're though. in this huge deficit. You know what? That is just I, I know people wanna wanna make a big deal out of that. And I know that uh Schultz and Chun pay lip service to oh yes, this is very, very serious and we have a very serious and, and very uh you know, very serious plan to fix this. And, you know, yes, we, we are very serious about getting out of this deficit. Uh, The reality is, you know, the, it would cost 3.6 million to make Rolovich go away. Right. And I think we've talked about this on the show before, but just in case we haven't, or or somebody didn't listen, uh, he's owed 60% of the base salary for the remaining three years. The base salary is 2 million. The other million that he makes is the, is his media. It's, it's the media portion of his contract, right? So they, they do this a lot of times when they break up contracts, you know, media responsibilities and actual base salary, things like that. So it's three point, it's 1.2 million a year for three years, 3.6 million. Okay. Listen, if you are running a division one, you know, power five athletic department, you have to be able to pay three and a half million if you have to. Like and I know that their biggest priority is, you know, getting the, the donations finally all secured the rest of the way for the for the indoor facility. And, and I get all that. But, you know, three point six is, is just it's I mean, I don't want to say it's like couch cushion change, but I mean, it's pretty close. You know, when you're talking about adding one point two million to each year's budget for the next three years. And I, and I know that people, you know, fans tend to think of it as a lump sum. Right. And I think they probably have the option to pay it as a lump sum. But, you know, if they want to, they can just keep paying in monthly for the next three years, you know, just like they're doing now. And, you know, pay out your one point two million a year. Um, you know, you can make that work in a big time athletic department. And I know that our budget, our department's like the smallest one uh, in Division one. But still, you can make that happen. You can do it. So will they? You know, I don't know i i i hope so obviously i'm on the record saying that that you know i hope so um you know obviously that that would give them a lot more time to take in even more data to try and make an informed decision um you know obviously there could also be more damage done in the meantime but i I tend to think if it's going to happen it's probably going to again non-covid related um it's probably going to happen at the end of the year I, i don't know i like you i tend to lean toward the conservative approach I, I tend to think that's probably what they'll do but I don't know man it's 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 affordable if you really want to do it I, I know that Schultz will have to answer to the you know answer to the faculty Senate <laughs> if he does it you know and explain why they're spending this money to make him go away but I also think that you know maybe it's an easier sell than we're giving it credit for because uh, you know he's embarrassing the entire university right it's not just a yep. losing football coach it's a, you know, it's a guy who looks like an anti-science, anti-vax conspiracy theorist. And that makes it makes a mockery of an academic institution, really. And I'm sure he's not the only uh, you know person employed by the university who is choosing not to get vaccinated. Um, I'm sure there are even professors who are choosing not to get vaccinated. But again, we know that the overwhelming majority of students and faculty support uh, mandatory vaccination. And, and we just know that from um you know just from the compliance numbers obviously we don't know the the faculty compliance numbers yet but we know that the student compliance numbers are extraordinarily high uh which is great and so i i I wonder if maybe it's an easier sell to get rid of him um given that you know he he really is embarrassing the school so i don't know i i i would say I, i i would think it's a toss up between the end of the year and maybe next year but i don't know i guess that's where i'd land
1: yeah um october yeah that'd be that that's honestly Uh,
0: as horrible as this sounds i'm almost like please don't get vaccinated like i'm just gonna like (laughs) uh, it's terrible but i'm also like you know that's that's the easiest cleanest way out of this whole thing is for him to just decide not to do that and um you know for it to be uh taken care of for us so i don't know we'll see we're getting we're getting very very this is the other thing i wonder you know we're getting very very close to the last possible day to uh, to receive a shot and still be vaccinated. October so, 4th. Um, yeah. The Johnson & Johnson yeah. vaccine so, October that's 4th. only, yep. you know, it's a little over a week away. So, yeah. High intrigue, man. High intrigue.
1: Intrigue that and I wish... we didn't have. Didn't. <laughs> and wish we didn't have. Um, so we have another question from Mark. Uh, he doesn't have his last name. Smart on his guy. Email, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to mistakenly say Mark's last name. Um, He has – apparently he already asked us this question, and we ignored it, so sorry, Mark. Um, So he has a proposal, which I already know that you and I agree with. So move the Apple Cup to the middle of the season instead of ending the year on it, i.e. Apple Cup gets scheduled for October 15th. Matchups for WSU versus Oregon State and Oregon versus UW – moved to the end of the year the rivalry formerly known as the civil war has moved to the middle of the year to even out the scheduling benefits has warmer weather and better sail gating opportunities in Seattle years won't be a holiday weekend so traveling logistics are easier for Pullman years this is not me this is yes. I'm just reading yes. what Mark wrote uh, roads are roads are less dangerous to travel yes uh, will be played on a Saturday not a Friday yes not a black Friday, like the day after Thanksgiving. Um, Since there will be more games on the schedule after the Apple cup, we all won't have to dwell. This is the biggest part, honestly, since there will be more games on the Apple schedule after the Apple cup, we all won't have to dwell on our inevitable defeat for longer than a week or two instead of a month in a bowl game month in bowl game years and all off season. If WSU misses a bowl. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. And, and, and then finally, students will show up in greater numbers to the Pullman Years games as they won't have a Thanksgiving holiday excuse to leave town. Yep. Yes. I'd uh, love to hear what you guys think. Thanks for reading, Goku. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. I, you, I, <laughs> I don't no, really I don't, have a whole I lot to add. Know, you, yes. said, you said it. You said yes. it all, Mark. I don't give a shit no. about the sail gating, no. honestly. Um, uh, but... Um. I mean yeah, we we've, we've talked about this before. All We're right. like,
0: hell, play it on the first game. Let's just let's just fucking rip the band-aid off right at the beginning of the year and just you know be done with it. I you know, I think the middle of the year is a nice idea just because like okay, like if you play the first game of the year, you know, maybe teams aren't sharp or whatever. So like like I get that. That's it's more tongue in cheek the idea of playing it first game of the year, but yeah, anything but the last game of the year. I'm I'm 100% down for that. Like I just I'm so I'm, well, and here's the here's the thing. Okay, so uh, I guess I'll put it this way: Do you? I'll put it to you as a question: Do you feel as good for all those months after we win as you feel bad for all those months after we get our ass kicked again?
1: Well, it's I know hard to it's, it's been a while, but uh, but honestly, you just feel good indefinitely about any win like you go back you, revi- you revisit it so it doesn't matter if it about the extra like whatever the extra time of feeling good or, or having that off season you would feel good about an apple cup win all see all year long it wouldn't matter but but when you don't have when it's a loss and you don't have anything else to think about like next week's game or the bowl game or what you know or the bowl game's still a month away, or whatever, and you have to think about how you could be in a better bowl game if you would have won this game, or whatever. Um, that's you just that's just torturous, and, and so yeah, like I I, I think like that there's no really trade off there because like the the happiness of an apple cup win is always there, uh, but once you have something else to think about, you can kind of put that put that sadness aside. Well, I, there's some kookbags that can't. <laughs> but I can't. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm all for it. 100% agree with you. Even, yeah, like, like Jeff said, Mark, I, I say just Labor Day weekend, baby. Let's do it. Let's just start the season with a loss and then just yep. see how we can recover. Because sometimes we start with the season yep. with a loss anyway. Might we'll as well lose State. that one. So yep. it doesn't matter.
0: Yep. Totally agree. 100%. Uh, there is one more question. This one, sorry, I'm flipping back over. This one came from Brady, Brady H, WSU Brady 27 on Twitter. Um, so.
1: Oh, by the way, Dave is Coop oh, poets nice. on Twitter. Yes. I forgot to say all that. All right, so Brady
0: says, something crazy that we all feel has been a thing but haven't seen really put together. I spent a few minutes and put it together in an Excel file. WSU football and men's basketball are basically never good at the same time. Don't believe me? Here is the chart narrowed down for all the years both have had five hundred or better records since World War Two. Since World War Two, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Ten.
1: One of those years was yeah. my senior year at WSU. The football team was went six and six, but lost. Uh, did not go to a bowl game because they lost yeah. the last three games of the year. And then, and then that Back was the year that. Back when six and uh, six didn't get you into year. a bowl Tony, game. Tony, And then that was Tony Bennett's uh, first year when they went to the, so that was, that was like the best, one of the best possible results. And this is, I mean,
0: let's be real. This is not like when we say being good at the same time, like the bar here is so low, 500 record, (laughs) right? We're talking 500 record. We're not talking like, okay, they both, you know, I don't know, 750 or something, right? Like, like however you would define good right postseason or something like that like we're just talking 500 records uh it happens it's happened once this century it happened twice in the 90s once in the 80s once in the 70s once in the 60s and then three times in the 50s that was the heyday right there and then once in 1945 so oh, oh my god yeah i don't know like it's funny so he says uh now, I know they really have no direct effect on each other, which is true, right? I mean, they're independent events uh really, there's Smith's recruiting results in trajectory then there is whatever's going on in football either way, for no real reason other than our history. This just helps my case to get even more excited for basketball season and hope it does for you as well
1: so So Brady's argument is. All right. The worse the, the football the team is team. the more the better the basketball team is gonna be. I'm down for it. I'm ready for a big basketball season. I've written this football season off, except for yeah. the football weekends where I get to go to Pullman, of course. Uh, but but you know what? Hell yeah. Let's let's get some good if 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 we are sacrificing this football season at the altar of yep. having a big basketball year, I'm down. Let's fucking I'm, do I'm it. I'm
0: one hundred percent, one hundred percent in on that. Um so yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. But that's, I'm just like, this is hilarious. Like I'm just like looking at this, going like, oh my god. And some of these basketball seasons too are like, uh, fifteen and twelve, sixteen and fourteen, sixteen and eleven. So you know, like their league record was terrible, and they just they won a bunch of yeah preseason or a bunch of non-conference games. Um, Two thousand six, that was that was kind of the biggie, man. They really they should have gone to a bowl game, even though they uh you know finished six and six. But it that was that and- was back before there were you know 80 bowl games uh, if you went 6 and 6 yeah. eh, you kind of got left out in the cold sometimes and yeah i don't know man that that's pretty funny that's pretty funny uh pretty funny find and a really nice use of an excel chart i got to say i liked it
1: yes well done brady 100% i dug it at wsc yeah. brady 27 uh yeah so um By the way, sorry. Do you have any Uh, idea
0: of like do you have a theory as for why this is? Is it just that we're not typically that good in those sports?
1: I think it's just because we aren't very often good at either. So it just reduces the number particularly. It reduces the number of times they can overlap, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, um, I one big plug I I didn't do it at the start, but you know I'm still running my uh, charity raffle for uh, lodging and tickets and parking to the uh, homecoming game against uh, Oregon State, which is now has game time 1 p.m. So if you don't want to, if you're coming from the west side and don't want to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and drive over to Pullman and go to the game, you can go on Friday night and stay Woo. because you can have a hotel yeah. from Friday to Sunday. Um, and uh, so. I've already raised over $1,200. I uh, really appreciate everyone that's donated so far. Uh, but you can still get, honestly, that means there's you still have a pretty good chance um, to win if you enter. Because uh, you're talking about 120 entries, that's it. So it, if you enter now, you still have a pretty good chance to win. I'd love to get it to $2,000. Um, that would be really cool. Um, I'm, I'm taking donations until 11.59 p.m october 3rd sunday so uh hit me up uh just go ahead and donate to any wsu related fund and you can uh screenshot send me the receipt either to our uh, podcast email account podcast vs at gmail.com or uh you can dm me on twitter at the craig powers or on instagram at craig w powers so any of those options DM me a receipt and let's raise some money for WSU. Um, loving the diversity of all the funds so far. A lot of different things, very cool. Um, I've learned about a few things <laughs> uh, just from the donations. Yeah, so, I donated uh, to the
0: uh, Cougar Emergency Fund. I thought that was, I thought that I thought yeah, that was a good place a to cool do one. it uh, given the times we are in. So um, there was that. Uh, how how many Cougar Athletic Fund donations?
1: <laughs> Not a one. So
0: So there's there's somebody's opportunity, right? Somebody who wants to donate to the Cougar Athletic Fund can
1: he, Yeah, he you, you can get some of your calf and points you get a chance here. To and, win, so you know, put it, put it know. to a
0: good cause and, you know, uphold the the good name of the athletic department in this since nobody else has done that yet.
1: Someone did donate to Oh, the well, the that's rugby pretty team
0: cool. Though. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they they need they need all yeah. the funds they can get. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and and a hot way got a Ooh, hockey donation same deal. as well. So they need those funds, man. They uh, do yep.
0: those programs, man. They do fundraisers yep. to pay for shit. That's a so that is that yep. is cool.
1: All right, great. Uh, so you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Pod versus Everyone. Again, if you want to send us questions like Mark and Brady and Dave, you can send it at podcastvseveryone at gmail and you can send me your donation receipts. And let's raise some money for WSU to any program that you feel good about. Um, yeah. Um, let me a full disclosure. Uh, in the middle of answering the second question, my nose started bleeding, and I am holding a big <laughs> wad of paper <laughs> against my nose right now. Um, so I um, am ready to say Goku's Goku's great. Goku's.
0: Black Lives Matter.
1: <laughs> Black Lives Matter.
0: Where's my stop button? Damn it.